and, and it also became apparent how ambitious writing a book was. So we ended up partnering up together for the sheer, you know, simplify the task um, and, and have more people to participate, but also because, because like I said, we could complement each other. We ended up tackling the book. From Cobalt at Home, this is Humans of InfoSec, a show about real people, their work, and its impact on the information security industry. I am so happy to have not one, but two guests on the show today. The first is Matt Sharp. Matt leads the information security function for LogicWorks as Chief Information Security Officer. His role includes responsibility for information security governance, risk management, strategy and architecture, and compliance. Welcome, Matt. Thanks, Carolyn. Good to be here. The second person I have is Rock Lambros, CEO and founder of Rock Cyber LLC. He is a seasoned cybersecurity and information technology executive with expertise in aligning cybersecurity and technology strategy with enterprise business goals in order to reduce the risk of revenue to the organization. And for longtime listeners of this podcast, um, Rock, welcome back. This is not your first time on the podcast. You are, in fact, our first ever uh, repeat guest. Welcome again. Wow. I uh, didn't realize that. I am honored. Thank you. Yeah, no, this is not my first rodeo. Good to be here. Yay. Good to be here again. So today we're talking about books. We're talking about writing books for cybersecurity. we are all authors here. Um, my first book, Security Metrics, A Beginner's Guide, came out 10 years ago. Um, and I recently contributed to a book called Modern Cybersecurity, Tales from the Near Distant Future. Um, and I've got a new book coming out, very exciting. And you folks have also written a book. I actually remember talking to Rock about this book I think in the early, early days, and we are right around the corner from it being released. The CISO Evolution. Tell me what it's about. Rock, do you want to take that one? Yep. Uh, (laughs) So it is about providing business knowledge and business acumen to cybersecurity leaders. There are a lot of frameworks out there about, or in a lot of platitudes, frankly, about speaking the language of the business and have to connect with the business. And um, a lot of frameworks out there um, from, you know, the NACD to the Digital Directors Network, Equilar, Private uh, Directors Association, that all provide good guidance um, around communications with leadership and the board, but they all uh, fundamentally assume that you have uh a a good grasp of business acumen which is foundational to having those conversations so this book is to help uh bridge that gap and kind of provide a not only only an education but a how-to guide to um gather that business acumen and it's filled with a lot of real world use cases from mine and matt's long background in the industry i think we each uh each have at least over 20 years of experience in the industry Um, So, you know, not only some platitudes around, hey, you should learn to speak the language of the business, but hopefully a lot of how-to knowledge that we can impart. Matt, why did you decide to partner with Rock and write this book with him? It is a loaded question. 
Um, you know, Rock and I have um, pretty opposing views uh, on a regular basis. So especially in today's political climate um, and watching how a dialogue breaks down when people disagree, I think one of the things that we um, do well is we complement each other in opposing views. Uh, there's a, a concept called path dependence, and we talk about that a little bit in the book too. It's basically where you were uh, has an impact on where you're going and what options are available. And so um, he and I have had basically opposite careers. He was an operator, uh, as you know, um, Caroline, uh, in various companies, including the, e the eBay history. And I um, was in a consulting capacity for a number of years, and then we swapped. So now he's doing um, consulting primarily, and I'm uh, I'm an operator. So, yeah, I think it was opposing views um, with the with the potential to really just have you know uh, open disagreements and see where we land. I love it. I think that makes for very interesting and strong content. You know, I do think that uh, when folks get together either to write something or maybe to speak on a panel, you know, if everyone in the group is just saying the same thing and agreeing with each other, that to me gets a little bit boring. Um, so I'm thrilled to hear that. You know, I wonder if given both of your very different backgrounds and that switch that you sort of, uh, sort of described, I wonder if each of you would consider sharing a story from your career that demonstrates either a severe lack of business acumen and how that affected the organization, like from the cybersecurity leadership perspective, um, or uh, where maybe you were in an organization or you observed in an organization that you were consulting for uh, a cybersecurity leader with a lot of business acumen and how that went. I'd love to hear uh, a story or two. Yeah, I think that's great. Rock, I mean, I know you've got a great story. I don't know if you want to, if you want to start I don't know if you have a, a particular thing picked out, but I know there's at least one or two stories in the book that would fit this pretty squarely. Um, and then I'll I'll take the opposing views. So you start on whichever perspective and I'll throw sort of the opposite one out. You know, I think um, a story where I saw, well, frankly, uh, a lack of appropriate business acumen would be like, I'll point the finger to myself. You know, in the book, we really talk about the importance of an information uh, security steering committee and how that kind of lays the foundation to even be able to have those business conversations if you do have the business acumen. And, you know, in one of my roles, um, I was told like first week on the job that uh, we, we don't do committees here. Um, you know, everything will roll up uh, through me being my boss, who was the CIO. Um, and um, then we'll kind of figure it out as we go. And obviously that led to a huge disconnect between the program that I was trying to develop and um, having engagement from various business leaders and really prevented me from being able to kind of push the program forward. We were very much left in a tactical role uh, as order takers like um, risk wasn't, in my opinion, communicated appropriately across the organization. And, you know, all that just slapped me with a huge, hey, this is lessons learned, right? Like I should have pushed harder for that steering committee, like to the point where, you know, I could have possibly just gotten fired my, my first few days on the job because it is that important 
to establish. And even if it's not, even if you're at a small organization, you know, you can't operate in a silo, right? So, you know, it's being able to get out and form those relationships and hopefully um, you don't have a barrier above you preventing you from doing so. Very nice. I think that probably resonates with a lot of our listeners. Um, Matt, before I ask you to go into uh, your story of a different situation, Rock, I want to pull that thread a little bit with regards to a steering committee. And I wonder if you might, you know, give away some of your uh, practical tips, any advice that you have for our listeners, if they find themselves either thinking like, hey, should I start a steering committee? And if I were to go about doing that, how might I, how might I structure it? Uh, thanks, Caroline. So that's a great question. So should I have a steering committee? The, the short answer is yes. All right, so if you're thinking about it and you don't have one, do it. How you should structure it is, right, that's dependent on your, on your business. And what I would say is you definitely want a good cross-representation of functional business lines. So whether that be obviously InfoSec and IT, that could be someone in the operations realm, whether it be on the financial side, maybe even HR, um, that sort of thing. And then, you know, what, what are the lines of business? Are you in manufacturing? Are you in software development? Um, right, having those functional line of business leaders. And then also uh, sales leaders in your team as well, um, because sales and marketing, because, you know, your information security program covers all of those facets, right? Pretty much anybody it would touch, it would touch, right? If you're in uh, critical infrastructure, you may have uh, operations in your world is, is significantly different. They could be individuals at a power uh, plant or a water facility or an oil and gas plant. You definitely want to have a, a cross-representation of those individuals as well, because you're, you're definitely structuring your program differently where availability and safety is key in those worlds versus confidentiality and uh, privacy and integrity. So Awesome. Thank you so much, Rock. Matt, what are your thoughts? Tell us about, I I would love to hear about a setup that went really well. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I've sort of leaned back on my consulting days to not just talk about my experience, but also to, to contrast with what Rock is saying. I remember early, early on in in my career, it must have been probably 20, maybe 2010, so, um, I had the opportunity to do some consulting in Omaha, and one of the guys that really inspired me or struck me as um, different in kind was Jeff Weeks from First National Bank of Omaha. Um, he, he was different in that he carried an executive presence, um, but also it became very apparent in the way that we would interact with him through consulting engagements and also the way that he would interact with other uh, folks in his business that he had the, he had the ability to basically pull the plug on any revenue generating activity at the bank if he decided to do. And the reason that he had the ability to, you know, stop a transaction flow or, or interrupt, um, you know, uh, any variety of activities from extending, um, uh, extending loans or what have you is because the executive team had confidence that he understood the implications of something like uh, putting a block or a freeze or something in place to 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 limit the uh, the impact of you know maybe a piece of malware spreading inside the environment or what have you. 
Um, and it was also clear that the executive team over there had in uh, clear in their mind that, um, and this was, you know, going back all the way, maybe 2014, 2013, 14, 15, um, that the executive team over at First National had a, a clear understanding of the potential impact that a cyber incident could have on, on the bank. And so, you know, that, that, that to me was one of those things that really stood out um, in a dramatic fashion, both because of Jeff's, you know, personality and executive presence, but, but also because of the tangible ways he interacted with the business. That is really cool. That is a lot of trust that an organization puts in an individual. Um, and it sounds like it was appropriate um, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, guys, for anyone who's listening to the podcast, who thinks to themselves, I want to be a cybersecurity book author one day. What's the process like? What is it like to actually write a book? <laughs> I wouldn't mind starting. Rock, you can finish this one. Go ahead, man. Um, so, so the first thing is um, be incredibly naive. And the second thing is find an ambitious co-author. Uh, and the third thing is uh, say yes when you shouldn't. No, in, in, in all reality, uh, the, the Rock and I had a, a really good conversation at an RSA conference a couple of years ago. It, it, through that conversation, it became apparent that we had something that we wanted to say in order to contribute back to the community. And, and it also became apparent how ambitious writing a book was. So we ended up partnering up together for the sheer you know, simplify the task um, and, and have more people to participate, but also because, because like I said, we could complement each other. We ended up tackling the book. Um, first, we found a publisher, which I think a lot of people might write a book first and then find a publisher. We managed to find Wiley and, and, and network in there and um, sell the book before we, before we actually wrote it. So that was really productive. And then once we had made that commitment, it was, um, a, you know, a dedicated effort for a, a passion project for a year. Yeah, it's and, so cool. And, you know, I'll add, it's, you know, it's definitely a labor of love. It's definitely a time commitment. Um, you will definitely get to the point where you're wondering to yourself, why the hell did I decide to do this? Um, but once, frankly, once you have that commitment with the publisher, game's on, you've got to push through. So, you know, much like, so Matt and I both have MBAs and I always say, that you know when i finally graduated with my mba i was finally able to start doing laundry again right i, I joke around it, it it's it's that much time especially when you have a full-time job and so it's just something to to consider it's not if you decide to write a book it's not a hobby right it's a it's a it's a dedicated commitment to timelines to you know formulating essentially matt and i formulated a project plan saying these are the chapters that we were going to have done on these dates and sure we slipped a little bit as we you know went along throughout the year however we delivered the end product on time and that's really what uh what counts and so you've got to treat it just as that as a as as a as, an, as another full-time job almost and i'll just add some structure there if you can before you jump in carolyn so we wrote a manuscript so it's you know secure the deal write a manuscript and then there's a bunch of uh, guidance and coaching. So if you're self-publishing, obviously you're doing this stuff and learning it on your own. But we um, we ended up having to go through several rounds of proof editing. You have to do a cover design. In our case, we contracted to get a logo built. We built a website. Um, uh, you know, there are appendices that you've got. And then there's a whole bunch of difficulty related to just getting people committed to allowing you to say the things that they've said. So getting permissions 
permission requirements is is this beast that I had never anticipated. Um, so yeah, so we just we, we just um, hit the go button on um, printing, and before you can even get to that, you also have to do beyond proofreading. You have to do things like indexing um, and, and uh, a couple of other things in the in the actual publishing process. So there's there's it's more than just writing the content. Yep, it's um. It's all such good stuff. And I find that there's always, there's stuff that like when you're a reader of her book, you don't realize like someone did this on purpose and had to coordinate it with a bunch of other people. Like in in all of my book writing experiences, I am so grateful to my producers. Uh, you know, most recently, uh, Vassi, uh, who who produced uh, the PTAS book, um, you know, she's really the one making stuff happen. Um, and, and I'm so grateful to that uh, because when, you know, your day job and everything that you've got going on outside of work, in addition to writing a book happens, um, it is a really significant uh, investment of time, you know, and uh, I want to, on behalf of the industry, say thank you to you both. Um, I am uh, very proud uh, to have a, a quote. I think it's on the cover or something like that of your book. Uh, and, and in it, I say, I really believe that the industry needs this book, uh, you know, and you didn't, you didn't have to do this. You gave this to us. You, you wrote this for the industry uh, to share your knowledge and experiences with people. Um, and, and I'm, I'm so grateful uh, for that, for, for folks like you uh, and your generosity uh, and sharing uh, what you know and what you've observed with us. Well, and Caroline, we thank you for, um, I know you've you've given me a lot of guidance along the way, and then obviously for taking a look at the early manuscripts and and providing that that generous uh, endorsement and quote. So we thank you. It's my absolute pleasure. Yeah, no. I was gonna say I just like the the the, the don't underestimate the support and the like the the comment is super humbling and it really like touches a a, a, a soft spot because at some point it gets pretty difficult and uh, daunting and to have somebody uh, supporting us and cheering cheering us on uh, along the path was actually really really powerful maybe more so than <clears throat> more so more so than you might know i am so happy to hear that and i am so impressed with you guys um it does feel like yesterday uh when i think rock and i may have been uh walking together in person at an rsa conference who knows how many years ago you know the first time i heard about the idea for this book um and here we are right around the corner from publication date what's the date so that our listeners can keep an eye out january 26 however you could pre-order it now on amazon Oh my gosh, so exciting. January 26th, folks, you heard it here. The CISO evolution, uh, get your copy. And uh, as a closing, uh, guys, what what are some of the big takeaways uh, that you hope that, li- uh, that readers get uh, when they read your book? I think from my perspective is, like as you read the book, right, there are... I mean, there are technical concepts in there, but they're not information security technical concepts, right? This is this is you know much more a business and, and leadership book with a um, cybersecurity uh, customization, if you will, versus a cybersecurity book, right? Like, so nowhere in the book are you going to learn about um, how to conduct a, a great penetration test 
or how to deploy the newest and latest uh, zero trust solution. You know, all those technical skills can be learned. There, there are trainings ad nauseum, but really to elevate your profile within the organization and to elevate security's profile within the organization and to minimize all of the uh, symptoms that we see from being burned out to underfunded programs to uh, high turnover in our industry is really establishing that taking the time to establish and to learn that fundamental business acumen that will allow you to get that seat at the table that we keep screaming for. Um, we, the collective we uh, in the industry keep screaming for. Matt, do you have anything? What do you have to add? Yeah, I, for me, it was about creating um, access to theories that offer predictive value. Um, and what I mean by that is um, really aligned with what Clayton Christensen has said in some of his books. Um, how will you measure, I forget what he says, how will you measure your life and uh, some of his other content that he presented to the Harvard MBA program. But just coming up with meaningful theories and frameworks that you can apply in different circumstances in order to get um, to the outcomes. And these are theories that business stakeholders um, are exposed to and understand and are used to um, speaking uh, to and, and working with. And so it just makes the content that you're presenting um, much more approachable for somebody that's not in cybersecurity. Um, and in, in addition to that, it also helps just really solidify and connect um, what are the contributions that you're making to the business or, you know, um, insert, you know, public sector or whatever to the mission or to the whatever, what's the, what is, how do you put this in a greater context? Because security is not for security's sake, it's to protect something. And so um, making sure that you're aligned with whatever that something is uh, and that people can approach your, you know, approach conversations with you is, is, is what I was really hoping to do. So I think we've done a, a, a decent job in introducing a bunch of content and then bridging, like you mentioned, um, the content into the cybersecurity space. So cool, guys. So cool. I cannot wait to get a copy in my hands. Uh, the manuscripts that I've reviewed are excellent. Um, and I'll just go ahead and put my own twist on it and say, look, if you're new-ish to the industry and you want to know what the industry is really like, read this book. And if you're more senior in the industry and you really want to have a seat at the table, read this book. Guys, thank you again. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I, I always enjoy chatting with you guys uh, and, and really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Caroline. Appreciate it. Humans of InfoSec is brought to you by Cobalt, a pen test as a service company. You can find us on Twitter at Humans of InfoSec. Mm -hmm.